Hello, I'm Greg Howard Jr., and this is Don't Make This Weird, the podcast. Each week, I invite a special guest to talk about their life, news, politics, and anything else that may come up. Head over to the Patreon, where you'll get the random questions game, a secret from my guest. You get some merch for being a loyal patron, and you get this uh, whole episode uncut and without this bit about joining the Patreon. So head over to patreon.com forward slash springbreak83 productions to join now. Welcome to another episode of Don't Make This Weird. Uh, my guest this week is an educator. She's an author. She's a podcaster. She has more degrees than I have letters in my name. Please, dear listeners, welcome to the show, the absolutely brilliant Dr. Candace. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm great. It's just really cold here in New York. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like 20 degrees. I'm like, I need to go out, but I don't want to go out. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. Not one bit. Mm-hmm. So on this podcast, uh, we do love a good origin story. So tell us, tell us how you got to be where you are. Tell us about young Dr. Candace. Wow. So young Dr. Candace is... Uh, pretty much a person who is supposed to be a statistic when you read the stories and hear stories about the quote inner city and you know people that aren't from affluent areas you know like at this point I hear all the cold words and I get what people are trying to do but I'm just like ah uh. <laughs> um I am born in the Bronx I'm raised in the South Bronx or Southwest Bronx near Yankee Stadium and um you know, if you look up, I know Wikipedia is not a scholarly source, but I have to go find where they have like our bureau, Census Bureau or New York City. I've tried searching for it before, if they can give us some statistics about our various neighborhoods. But where I grew up, um, the average income is like high 20000 like $27,000, $28,000. So anybody can get an idea of that. Um, this is not like one of the wealthiest neighborhoods. Um, I grew up also in public housing, <laughs> okay? So the projects, right? So I'm not supposed to be, quote, where I've been. Um, interestingly, I talked to someone a few years ago and they say, yeah, people are wondering now how you got where you are. And I'm like, you know, in the grand scheme of my field, I'm, quote, nowhere, <laughs> but that is not what other people perceive. Teaching is actually plan B for me. I wanted to be a lawyer um, and I got to my senior year of college and, you know, I'm going through the whole application process and I did not get into any of the schools because I did not score the required admission score on the LSAT. And so from the age of 11, I wanted to do this lawyer thing, right? Because I came up with parents who worked hard and I just was like, I didn't want to work as hard as them to like earn and make a living. I didn't want to have to work so many hours and do physical work and all this other stuff. So I knew I wanted some kind of profession, someplace like a career, you know, my, I might not have had the words then as a kid, but I knew I wanted more of a flexibility. I wanted something a little bit different from my parents. So um, I had this whole lawyer thing in my mind and that didn't work out. And I just was like, 
I'm finishing my bachelor's and I was supposed to be going to law school after this. Like my mind was set up from 11. And at the time I'm 21 years old and I'm like, there's no school. There's no registration after this. This is like weird. And I remember talking to um, our C-STEP director at the time and C-STEP is the, what is it? Collegiate Science and Technical Entry Program that helps pretty much in the context of America, our ethnic minorities, cultural minorities and our economically disadvantaged students, which means all of us together, poor, white, black, brown, indigenous, Asian, right? Um, LGBTQ, those people who are, you know, belong to communities within our country that are usually blocked out. So I remember talking to her and she's like, well, you're part of 4% of the world's population that's considered um, educated. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that's cool. But a bachelor's is not it for me. Like my mind was made up for 10 years to be a lawyer, right? And that meant law school. That meant school after college. So I graduated 20 years ago <laughs> and I came back to New York City. Getting a job wasn't easy. Um, I worked for my sister who had a franchise, a subway for a short stint. And then um, I took the GRE and applied to two master's programs. I got in. I ended up studying at both universities. I did the master's at one. I did the DA at the other, um, Doctor of Arts DA. And so um, while I was doing the master's, I was still playing around with the law school thing. And um, I graduated and I came, I was in Albany. Went, I was, went to school at our state capital, SUNY Albany, public education, right? State university. Um, came back and um, my late cousin now um, told me about getting a substitute certificate with our city department of education to be a sub teacher. And so I did that. And while, while I was serving, you know, different grades, you know, getting that assignment at 630 in the morning, <laughs> like, I don't know if I had kindergarten, or eighth graders. Um, that was an interesting experience. But I realized through that, what one of my professors said was true. I love the classroom. Um, and I don't necessarily love the classroom itself, but I love what happens there. And that's learning. So that's how I got into teaching, just, you know, trying to figure out what level is best. And, um, you know, I pursued certification at my, at my state level. And then I just decided, like, let me go, let me go back to school and then let me get the doctorate and I'll qualify eventually to teach college level. And I've been in higher ed, been in education for 16 years. and. Um, the end of January is 13 years in higher ed. Have you, um, have you ever thought about going back and trying the LSAT and going for the JD? Um, no, I mean, like for not trying the LSAT again, I saw, I get the emails from inside higher ed, you know, as a faculty member, um, part-time. <laughs> Um, which is most of the faculty in the country, but they, you know, give us the latest trends and everything. And so there were some major universities that um, were now accepting the GRE. And so I was like, wow, you know, for a second, it's swirled around in my brain. <laughs> like, but um, to sit like that and everything that's um, involved in, in being a student officially again, no. I mean, as a teacher, I'm still a student, right? Um, I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> no, not now. Mm -hmm. So when did you've now, you've written two books? Two lecture books. Mm -hmm. um, when, 
what was what was the process behind that? What, why did you decide to write those? So during this pandemic, 2020, one of my classmates and now colleagues said to me, why don't you um, publish some of your lectures? I said, people do that. <laughs> and they said, yeah. I said, are you serious? So um, I spoke to them on the phone to get, you know, clarification. And so then I decided to um, just go and pull and assemble lectures from different courses and put them all together. Um, just as an example of what somebody with an interdisciplinary or multidisciplinary education themselves can do. Because my, you know, you put my entire graduate studies together, it's interdisciplinary. I have a master's in Africana studies. And so just when you have a studies program, you're looking at the, the popular words. <laughs> I mean, I love folks, but then at the same time, I'm like, God, like you guys don't have a thesaurus, but the popular word now is intersection. So you look at the world's black people of Africa, Africa meaning of Africa. So the continent, the diaspora all over the world. And you look at politically what's happening, economically, religious, you know, language, all of that, music, history, anthropology, all of those things. So any studies, Asian studies, European studies, American studies, women's studies, LGBTQ plus studies, religious studies, you're looking at these particular groups of people, these particular phenomenon and all these different avenues. Um, and that's why you get which, which is the title of the book, A Broad Scope. My uh, doctorate, the courses are listed as history, but it was interdisciplinary. Um, they reconfigured the program. The core of it is still the same. You had to do three doctoral seminars. And when I attended, you had three professors. One was a historian. A second might be a historian. But the other two were usually from one of the other arts and science departments. Um, and so, like I said, you know, I took history of American foreign policy, right? That's technically international relations under political science. Um, I took theories of political modernization. That's just a cute way of saying political theory. I took um, the seminars are patterns of modernization, international implications of modernization, and globalization in our contemporary world. And the most visible, um, visible form of that interconnection of the world is economics and commerce and business. So indirectly, you're getting economics. So you're getting all these things coming together. You know, you got a philosophy professor on the team, you got a politics professor, you got an anthropology, a sociologist, um, and you know, everything that's being tied together is under the general umbrella of history because there's a record of what people do in all these facets of life. And so that is what um, equipped me to be able to teach all these different classes, which some colleagues said, wow, you taught such, such a wide range of courses, such a broad range of courses. And so when this whole idea of publishing these lectures came up, it was like, let's just pull some. And so it features, um, let me see, about five, five lectures from world history and politics. Um, I put in both global conflict in world history and world politics. And there's like a slightly different presentation because of, you know, from history to political science. Um, my second section of the book is African and African diaspora history focus on um, the US. And the third one is politics and civics. Um, you know, just uh, 
my earliest version of the branches of government lecture for, you know, for the civics part for Americans that need it <laughs> and um, macroeconomics. Um, uh, yeah, the course I taught was politics of economics. So it's like the intersection of government and markets or the government and the economy. And then, you know, it's also kind of like political economy, which is the academic term for economics. So I pretty much taught intro to economics. <laughs> like, wait, how did that, wait, what? Um, that's what I'm saying. I was a teacher and still a student <laughs> simultaneously, but it's 15 lectures. So it's like five, six, and four, I think, about at least around five lectures for each general topic. And I just put those together and, and um, wrote this introduction, kind of like, you know, uh, hopefully, if teachers, if teachers picked it up, they would get some ideas for their social studies content. If they, you know, our different states have different requirements, but if they were, you know, had an initial license or certification in their state, like my state, New York, requires a master's for permanent certification, maybe they consider a master's in one of the studies programs, um, especially if they were social studies focused in, um, educator. So, yeah, that's the first one. <laughs> the second one is the civics one on Congress. So just like, you know, we, we met on Twitter and uh, Twitter seems to be the political social media platform yeah. um, and watching everything. And especially, I mean, I was watching before 2016, but it was like overload with 2016 and people were like, well, what the heck happened? Wait a minute, what? <laughs> so I was just seeing like, gosh, there's so many basics that most people don't know and it's just conversations with family friends you know social media connections and so um i decided in 2021 <laughs> to um take to take out that congress section of the three branches of government from american government and politics and then like expand it i left it in bullet form all you need is a highlighter because I done did the read through <laughs> for you and pulled it out. <laughs> like what you have in that book is like the cliff notes, the study for the test. <laughs> um, not only did I do that, I said, let me go and look at what Congress has done from President Obama's time, because when people went to the ballot box, they were like, well, Obama didn't do this and Obama didn't do that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people, it's not all about the presidency and the executive branch. That's article two, dude. Like, it's not even about that person. Like you got a whole 535, technically 539 people sitting there <laughs> and they have more say on this policy thing, right? And so I, I went from Obama's time and then sometime in February, 2022, the second edition should be coming out of, um, the, the book is titled Engaged Citizen, A Look Into Congress. And I went and um, expanded, went back in time to 1993 to Congress during President Clinton's administration, um, Bush II's administration. Um, and then I, I left Obama's time in that last guy's time. I don't be the one who shall not be named. Right. The the former occupant of the White House. Um, <laughs> and and now you've you've branched into uh, you run a Patreon, uh, you've got a podcast as well. Um, yeah. did you after the books, did you see doing um, the Patreon and the podcast as like the next step in the evolution of um, what you were doing? So it was the reverse. Um, it is four years ago now. Someone um, said, why don't you do a podcast? My daughter's always listening to those things. And I'm like, I don't even know what one is. Because <laughs> I never had an iPod. 
right? I don't have Apple. I'm, some people are going to be mad. I don't have any Apple products, right? I don't either. Oh, okay. So I, I never had an iPod. So I didn't even know what the whole podcast, whatever. I had to go Google it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, once I figured out and, and connected what it was, then I started one. Um, that's also February. February, four years ago, I've had a podcast even though I've used different platforms, but um, I've used uh, the creator page on, I've set up a creator page on Patreon. And so the, the, the books were like, like I said, 2020 and 2021 is since that time. And I thought for some people, they might want, you know, that, that hard copy of the paper or something like that, that they can reference to reference ease more easily for them. They, you know, that's their better avenue of, of, of information acquisition and other people might, you know, the listening, like while they're driving or whatever, commuting or cleaning, cooking, whatever, um, working out. I don't know. Um, the, the, to listen to the lectures might be something better. You know, it might work in the, you know, the audio, um, form for them. It might work better for them. Yeah. That's I'm if, if I can like listen to it while I'm at work, I, re I re I'll retain better. Um, yeah. So that's, wow. that's what wow. I do. Um, so yeah, I so like with the, um, if I can, if I may, with yeah. the, um, the book, the Congress um, thing, um, there's more detail on the podcast. So okay. like the same questions that are in the book, I actually go into some of the policy areas, whereas the book I list, I, you know, extracted, from the Library of Congress, the top five policy areas. But on the podcast, I go in to see who introduced what and when, trying to give people, the listeners, a feel for how complicated this lawmaking process is. Because like today is, you know, kind of like mid-January, right? So someone would introduce the bill today and then you'll see the latest action is like six months later, a year later, because it's going on a calendar that they're all, it's, 535 people, right? 100 in your Senate, 435 in your house. And they're all introducing various ideas, policy ideas, you know? And so how, how many bills do you think we're going to have? <laughs> um, and we have to go through this tedious process. So that's what I'm hoping that, you know, those people who become patrons will learn from at least the, I call it critical civics 101. So, yeah. Um, while we're while we're on the subject of critical civics, um, I I want to touch briefly on um, there there was a bit of a dust up on uh, Twitter the past couple of days um, with certain voting rights activists and their problem uh, with the administration. Uh, why do what is what is this mindset that you know everything can be done by executive order and everything has to be done by the president um i have i honestly have no idea this is the whole gap that i that i noticed that frustrated me to the point of deciding to extend that congress lecture and pull out that information um you know, like be be a fully engaged citizen. That's why I titled it, titled the book that, the lecture book that, Engaged Citizen, A Look Into Congress. Congress is your article one. It, that was the first branch of government outlined. And it was supposed to do most of the activity because it was a multi-membered body. 
and the people were directly elected at least the House of Representatives. Um, I think um, I'm annoyed with our, our media. Um, I mean, like when, I, when we reflect, because I think we're probably close in age, um, we're on that cusp of, what is it, uh, Gen X and millennials, I don't yep. know, you know, so you know, when, if you, if we both can think back and, you know, I'm, I know my households, they came up, we came, I came up with uh, people who took in news, they watched the news, they read the newspaper. You heard about the presidential elections, but you didn't really hear about the congressional yeah. elections like that. And now we learned the hard way. I want to say, I mean, there were people who were old enough to know in the nineties with president Clinton, because he was blocked. <laughs> you know, that's when the Republicans really started showing their tails. Um, yeah. And then President Obama. I mean, we know that's 2009. We know Mitch McConnell and crew had their whole plan to sabotage him. Right. Um, we know that from 16. Huh? Yeah. Um, um, and we should know that now from from President Biden's administration. Um, yeah. Our media is only pre presenting you know, so, so over the top, you know, in their coverage every four years. No, every two years at our federal level, there is an election, man, every two years. Um, I'm of like, I'm of the camp. And I mean, it's, I guess maybe it's just a camp of one right now. Let's stop calling it midterm elections. They're elections, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're elections that matter. But yeah, our media has kind of not, not really helped us in shaping how we should view our federal government. Um, yeah, they focus on the presidency. And I mean, the whole executive orders, like, here's my thing. I'm gonna have a moment here. Like, we're gonna get brand new because of that last dude who was, yeah. you know, ruling by executive order because he's never served in government, doesn't know how it works, doesn't know how it's structured. Um, the Congress could come in and put out a bill or whatever and override that executive order. Even if the president vetoed, if they have enough people to override the veto, then it's law now. Yeah. You know, and so it's up to the people. That's what I mean. They need to buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> they well, need to buy my book. So, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember uh, there was somebody was quoted as saying that, um, you know, President Biden should know how to deal with the Senate. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I agree because he he was a senator. He's not a senator anymore. Like mm -hmm. that's. I mean, he spent yes, he spent thirty six years there, but as you said, Greg, he's no longer a senator. He does he cannot he has no true effect on them. They determine Congress determines its rules altogether, and between the two chambers or the two houses. They both make up their rules. Like, here's the clear thing. Everybody want to talk about the filibuster all of a sudden. Yo, I'm just the brand new. It's just, I, I call people, these people the brand new crew. And it, it really angers me to find out some of these people have about a decade or 15 years on me. You've been around longer. You've been part of the electorate longer than me. How do you not know this by now, right? I digress. Excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're um, fine. So it's like, okay. Um, the filibuster is a Senate practice. 
it is not in the house. Like the constitution says it, I believe it's article one, it might be section five, I'm not sure. But each of them determines the rules and everything, the procedures, the process in their own respective chambers. So, you know, they can't even, don't even yell at um, Speaker Pelosi because she has nothing to do with that. She has absolutely nothing to do with that. Don't yell at my senator, who's the, the majority leader, Chuck Schumer. Don't, don't yell at him either because he doesn't have the numbers, right? So we need to understand that. President Biden, served eight years as number two in the executive branch, right? All he can do as now the chief of the executive branch is deal with his particular branch. It is independent and co-equal. Um, he does not he does not dictate the other two branches. Like what part of the checks and balances <laughs> did you not get? What part of the separation of powers did you not get, right? Um, he can only dictate whatever happens underneath his branch. He cannot dictate to Congress what to do. All he can do is give a bill, a recommendation of an idea over to them and the rest of the work is theirs, okay? Um, it can look like a totally different bill by the time it goes to the House or Senate and vice versa and by the time it comes back to him. But that's why it makes sense too for me. Let me like, throw this connection out there. Vice President Harris being a former Senator too. This is why it makes sense to have a chief executive and a second chief executive, right, who were in Congress, who have experience in the policymaking branch. That is their primary function. The presidency's primary function is to carry out, implement, execute, hence executive branch, the laws or the policies that Congress is making. So, you know, he has the experience as 36 years in the Senate of drafting policy. So that's why you can kind of trust when President Biden sends something to the Congress, he know what the hell he doing, <laughs> right? And some of those people, you know, people don't realize there is this, um, you know, they, they mistake being cordial and professional for being buddy, buddy. And it's like, hold on guys, it's hard to have three people agree. You gotta have a committee of 20 something in the Senate and 40 something in the House agree to your idea, right? Then you have to have the whole 100 and the whole 435 agree to your idea, right? I'm here in New York, right? You're in your state, right? What we might need in the state of New York is not what is needed in your state of Alabama, right? Right. Um, and so how do we get our representatives from our two respective states in the house? And how do we get our four senators to reach consensus on something? Because you, like, I can be calling my people and say, hey, Senator so-and-so, hey, Representative Torres, that's my representative, BX, <laughs> New York 15, right? Hey, Representative Torres, hey, Senator Gillibrand, hey, Senator Schumer, we need this, 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 this. And you and your connection, your family, your friends could be calling out of Alabama, calling your respective people and saying, no, we don't need that. We need this. Like this thing is complex. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just like, guys, guys, I mean, you know, I'm, some, some of us in so much frustration, we're like, you know what, damn it. Google is free. Yep. <laughs> Google is free. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if you have that friend or family member that's this politics person, politics guru, call them. Look yep. it up if you can't figure it out, because I know sometimes the language is a bit much in politics. Call one of your friends or family members that's into this politics thing and get, you know, clarity. I mean, come on now, Dag Nabbit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, even like if if the language is confusing, most of the time, like if you call your city council person and are like, hey, you know, what is what is this? You know, a lot of times they will, you know, be obliging and be like, okay, well, this is what this means. You know, so that's why it's important to vote in every election. And, you know, when, when your Congress people and your senators have town halls, go to them if you can. Yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of times, you know, that's, that's what that's for is, you know, they, they explain what's happening in, or, you know, if you happen to have Republican senators and representatives, they misconstrue what's happening. Um, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> Allegedly. I've seen, especially with the ACA uh, about oh, five wow. years ago. Yeah. That was horrible. But yeah, saw <laughs> unfortunately. The ACA and then I've, I've seen it with um, the infrastructure law and, you know, the Build Back Better agenda. Like it's been blown way out of proportion. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So we have come to the part of the show where I like to dig through my inbox and pull out a listener letter uh, to get your opinion on uh, a listener's question. This week, the letter comes to us from Jamie in Winnipeg, and they would like to know, why do Americans act as if their votes and who makes up their government doesn't affect the rest of the world, too? Well, we, we just had this conversation and it is apparent and it's, it's embarrassing that Americans don't even know the connection, um, you know, with it, within their own federal national government and don't even know, have a, a better grasp of its impact on domestic policy. So if, if embarrassingly, I have to admit, if we don't know about that, how can we make the connection to our foreign policy, right? So we're definitely in this 21st century world. And since the mid 20th, the mid 20th century, we've had the capacity to have commercial flights. So this is the last stage of full globalization. Because in fact, we've been a globalized world for, you know, where our civilizations existed from antiquity. We're in like the full stage of globalization. And with this coronavirus, like we should have all been taught some like really hard lessons of, of the interconnection, the deep interconnection of our world. And so, um, you know, from the 20th century till now, um, each country has a domestic policy and a foreign policy because we're in this world where we're, we're doing business globally with each other. Um, and we want to prevent two world wars, right? Like the whole conversation with Russia and, you know, they're looking at Russia right now and they're messing around with Ukraine. And, you know, we find out the Russians interfere with our election, right? Because they have a policy agenda that they want to fulfill. And in cases it's antithetical to ours, right? So there's this competition. This is why they would interfere with us. But on the American side, we haven't connected that dot just yet, right? Um, I remember it say I remember the international community saying back in 2014, oh my gosh, is Putin trying to do a World War III type of thing? Like, and that was a hundred years from the start of World War One. 
Um, so I think now, you know, with those world wars and all the other um, unnecessary wars of the 20th century into 21st, um, a lot of countries around the world realized they were forced to, re to, re to come up with a better way of dealing with each other. Um, but as I said, if we don't know <laughs> within our borders about domestic policy and like, you know, not, not that we're, not we're supposed to be experts in it, but like even the fundamentals of how our domestic policies impact us, um, you, you ask it for a whole lot. <laughs> to have us make that connection to our country and other countries. And the last point I'll, I'll say regarding this is, I don't know how we, uh, how, I, I mean, it's a mm, failure of our education system um, to, for Americans not to know that um, the United States became a major player on the world stage in between the two world wars. Um, and we've had that position for about a hundred years now. So I don't know how we don't know that, but yeah. Yeah, and, and to your point about um, Russia interfering with our elections, you know, shortly, shortly thereafter, it started to come out that, you know, it wasn't just us. It was, it was France and it was the UK and it was, you know, several more countries that, you know, they had tied back this kind of like, yeah, I know it's it's a buzzword now, but I mean these very online troll farms who like will name search certain politicians and dive bomb into the mentions of anybody who tweets about it on on the Twitter or posts about it on Facebook, Instagram, so on and so forth. Um, you know, we saw we saw a lot of it in the run up to the twenty twenty election and you know, still to this day, um, every now and then, if you tweet something, like you'll get the people at two and three o'clock in the morning who are, you know, you don't even have to tag a politician. Um, like for me, the most the most recent example was I I think I included uh, the vice president's name in a tweet, and at like four o'clock in the morning. I had a hundred notifications from people just spouting the, the primary lies that, you know, she's a cop and she, she mm -hmm. locked up, locked up all of the black men in California and just ridiculous things that are easily debunked, but. Right. Wow. Yeah. Still. And the whole ins insane part of this is that Facebook and Twitter, these platforms are American platforms. Yeah. And someone thousands of miles on the other side of the world took that and weaponized it. And I don't, and Putin was KGB, which is the Russian intelligence, which uses psychological warfare. Like they use all manner of combat, right? From heavy artillery guns hot board to cold war and information and all this other stuff and it's like what you know what y'all <laughs> <laughs> um i'm known now in twitter spaces for saying read some damn books <laughs> y'all yeah. need to redo some books because <laughs> um or get the documentary something but you know those of us that came up where we read books for you know obviously literature but also social studies content 
And when we saw the video, the, the movie based on that book, the book was much better. Just I'll yeah. throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. Yeah. Wow. I, I ended up having to delete the tweet and like, it was just, it was a whole mess. Yeah, because that was harassment. A hundred notifications of foolishness. Yeah. No, who wants to sift through and clear that? No, that's yeah. unbelievable. So now we have come to the point in the show where um, I like to play play a quick game uh, with my guests. I have um, 15 random questions in front of me. Uh, are you down to play? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so question one, uh, what was your first job ever? I was a concessions worker at Yankee Stadium. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> while I was in college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is your guilty pleasure? I, you know what? I'm a goody two shoes in a, in a square. That's an old way of saying it. I don't have <laughs> one. I don't. Oh, you know what? I'm just going to say I could be a junk food junkie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If aliens landed on Earth tomorrow and offered to take you with them, would you go? No. <laughs> Enough adventure here on this planet. I'm good. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. If you could commit any crime and get away with it, what crime would you choose? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't, you know what it'll be like. I know that, no, now people are going to judge me now, but you know, now, like, <laughs> I'm just saying now that people, <clears throat> Any kind of confrontation, they want to charge you with assault. But like some people take you there, so I would just fight somebody. <laughs> I okay. don't know. I don't know. Hey, that's. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sometimes it would be nice to be able to just punch somebody right in the mouth. And yeah, not have to worry about, about the consequences. <laughs> yeah, at this point, we got a lot of pent up uh, frustration yes. <laughs> worldwide. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Whitney or Mariah? Whitney, of course. <laughs> no, she was the so in high school I sang in the gospel choir and I would come home before everybody else and I would be in the kitchen washing dishes or whatever. And Whit Whitney was my yardstick. I used to try to copy what she did and imitate her sound and everything like that. Whitney. <laughs> if you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? Oh my gosh, I suck at this. <laughs> oh no, wait a minute. I don't, I'm not I'm not great in this area. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Is there we, like there's no, not a... I see a resurrection of the 80s and 90s? No, we in the 90s now. I see a resurrection of that. Um dag, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm gonna go. You know what? I'm gonna go back in the day to the. I just see this as class and sophistication, the '20s fashion. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Um, that's actually that's a popular answer to this question. A yeah. lot of people, yeah. Wow. Like the the real tight like finger wave hairdos and the flapper dresses with like the fringe and stuff. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Are you a morning person or a night owl? <laughs> night owl I'm not a morning person <laughs> <laughs> what's your 
What is a film that most people hated, but that you love? Oh my gosh. I don't know. I got to think for these <laughs> I don't, wait a minute. Oh my gosh. Because our life is, we got the Netflix and the Hulus and all that. And so, oh my, I can't, I can't, you, no, I can't even say this. Because most people do of a certain age. Oh my gosh. Wait, I can't, I can't think of one right now. Great. Okay. I can't think of one. What was what was the one you were gonna say? It's a movie I love because it's hilarious. Harlem Nights. That's a fantastic <laughs> film. That is a fantastic <laughs> film. Maybe some people would like it. I don't know. <laughs> what is what is a film that you could watch over and over and never get sick of? Oh, there's a couple of those, but this one is old and that's why some of us again of a certain age we know all the words <laughs> the color purple absolutely that is the correct answer to this question <laughs> <laughs> he said that's the correct answer <laughs> the color purple yes and the certain parts you still cry as if you've never seen it <laughs> yeah right right there at the end where um they're on the front porch and her yep. sister comes back and there's that and beautiful purple fabric blowing in the wind just yeah. every single time. Every, every single time. time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And she shout out, Nanny. Yep. <laughs> That's how you know. Um, I don't know if this is like a US, I, I would say this is probably worldwide. That excitement that people have, no matter the age, when you see somebody, if it's a relative, a childhood friend, a school friend. Or somebody you met in your younger days, you knew since childhood or adolescence, and you haven't seen them in so long, and that shout, like, is nobody else exists at that moment yeah. when that person sees them. It's over. It is just, like, such a beautiful, for me, I'm goofy like that, such a beautiful thing to see and go, wow, like, they just scream, like, they don't, there's nobody else is there. The yeah. excitement, they cannot contain it to see that person. So, yeah. <laughs> it's also, um, it's like being at the airport. And when the arrivals come in and like the people are coming down the escalator because you can't go to the gates anymore. Um, but like you see people reuniting at the airport or, you know, yeah. whatever. It's it's that same thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but to the color purple, if, it doesn't matter what time of day it's on. If I see that it's on, I'm watching it. Like yeah. <laughs> it was it was on at like two o'clock in the morning the other day. And I was like, oh, oh I'm watching this. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Lord have mercy, but yes. <laughs> Call it purple. Mm -hmm. If you were a superhero and you could pick anybody in the world to be your sidekick, who would you pick? Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Oh, wow. <clears throat> I'm thinking here. Wow. Like, who? Oh. Shucks. My oldest sister. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Star Wars or Star Trek? I'm going to get in trouble. Neither. <laughs> okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. I've, there's, been a, there's been a few of those. 
Okay, the audience will be like, no, she didn't. <laughs> Neither. I'm not a big sci-fi person. Okay. You know, so yeah. <laughs> it's you know what? It's not for everybody. And and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite Christmas song? I hate these favorite questions. <laughs> I don't have a favorite. <laughs> I have, you know what? Um Oh my gosh. Is it um this Christmas? Donnie, is it Donnie Hathaway? Oh Donnie my Hathaway. I'm going to get me. <laughs> Donnie Hathaway this Christmas, I think. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. That's a good one. Mhm. If you had an extra $20 to spend on yourself and you had to spend it on yourself and you could not buy food, what would you buy? Oh man. Extra twenty dollars spent on myself. No food. No food. <laughs> um. Yeah, I had to add that in not- because everybody's answer was, "Oh, you know, I'd go to like go to McDonald's or go to Taco Bell or something." Right. Okay. Now Shante going to get me, but I would probably buy another tube of lipstick or something, some makeup from the pharmacy. <laughs> 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 And I use Revlon, Maybelline, and L'Oreal, okay? <laughs> yeah, I probably would do that. Grab some kind of cosmetic from the pharmacy. I'm one of those frugal people and I balance. Like she was, you know, she was coming <laughs> after somebody who was disrespectful to um, Secretary Clinton. So she said, she got that um, pharmacy makeup. You could have got some MAC. I said, now I do have some MAC now. I do have some MAC eyeshadow. <laughs> but... Um, I said, what's wrong with pharmacy? Don't do us like that. But yeah, I would buy um lipstick or mascara or something like that. Okay. <clears throat> Who is a celebrity that you would take to a wedding as your date? Oh, wow. Wow. I have, wow. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Some of these things I have to think about. Um, let's see. He's a lot older than me, but Morris Chestnut. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Morris Chestnut, yeah. And last question. If you had to delete all but three apps from your phone, what three do you keep? Oh, shots. <clears throat> Let's see. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm keeping like all, wait, hold on now. Now I got questions. <laughs> okay. So um, like the apps that came preloaded, like notes and messenger and contacts and, you know, stuff like that, that stays mm-hmm. automatic. This okay. would be anything that you have downloaded to your phone. Okay, so my bank app is staying. Okay. My Chase is staying. <laughs> um, my Linktree is staying. And because of the video feature and stuff like that to maintain connection, because I'm mad with these other platforms and I know it's connected to one of them, I'm going to keep Instagram. Okay. That's, yeah. I mean, that's so I'm not totally cut off. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
so now the last part of the show um, before we part ways, Dr. Candace, tell us a secret. I have superpowers. No, <laughs> I don't I, really I, have a real secret. You know I what? I would I would have believed that. <laughs> I have I have I have seen you dismantle people on Twitter. I would absolutely believe that you have superpowers. Oh wow. <laughs> Thanks for the compliment, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what's funny? I would I wouldn't say that about myself, but then like, wow. It's like, yeah, I've seen you dismantle people. <laughs> With the facts, of course. Yes. Those, yeah, yeah. Not, not just like maliciously going after people, but like if if you come sideways at Dr. Candace, she she will she will take you apart. And it is, it is a sight to see. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a beautiful sight to see. Yeah, I think I, I think I know the one we're like we're referencing. It took me some time. You guys, <laughs> that day, you guys, I didn't have to say anything. I just saw people and I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to come out of character, <laughs> you know, <'cause> people <laughs> a certain way. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, I want to be able to take it off and put it on the side and just be me and not worry about certain things. And I said, you know what, um, let me just cut this off. But I saw the rest of you guys throughout the whole day and it went on for five days. Yep. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and I mean, some people might be studying these things <laughs> later on um, to see how people can make connections on social media. And people can come to feel, um, what is it, camaraderie with people and come to respect people um, for what they offer. And when they see someone out of place, um, you know, and cross the line, that those folks will rally to say, hey, no, sir, ma'am, you're out of line. Not not that person. Don't, don't, no, you don't do that. <laughs> and that's what that taught me that day. I was like, oh, my gosh. But when I finally was like, got it all together, I was like, oh, no, ma'am, let me let you know about yourself. <laughs> and um, let me let you know what you're not. And it was a thread. And then when I saw it still continue to the day after my birthday, um, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. No, let me do this. <laughs> you know, when people, I saw people's responses, is, you know, I could see. I can almost hear people and see people's facial expressions like the absurdity, the gall, the audacity of you. Like what makes you think that you can do this? And it just was so, it was so egregious. I know yeah. for a lot of people like, wow, really, ma'am, you really did that? And so I think that also like fueled me even more to see the people like, no, you still don't get that you're out of line. And so I said, well, let me just do another threaded response. <laughs> and then I'll wash my hands of it. And that's okay. <laughs> just a, a word to the wise for anybody who's on Twitter or maybe thinking of joining Twitter. Um, if someone has doctor in their name, especially a woman or black woman, if you do not address them as doctor such and such, you're out of line. And there are there are people who are going to come for you. Yeah, I remember you were one of the first people to address that. I saw that. I said, uh-oh, yeah. 
I, <laughs> I told like, oh, my yep. family and friends, I said, yeah, you know, this happened. And there was all kinds of people like checking that person. They were like, first of all, yeah. <laughs> it's in the username and they have it in their profile. They want, you know, like, and what I do on social media, I'm bringing my profession to this, this, not this other forum that stretches far and wide. Yeah. So what you see of me there, like I'm going to have just my everyday Candace moments, but I'm going to bring that educator with the 16 plus, you know, years of experience to this platform. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is what you're getting. And when they walk into my classroom, it's professor, doc, I, I specifically 13 years now, adults I teach 18 to 80 in the country's largest city primarily community college. So that means anybody can come. I've had all kinds of people sit before me and I explicitly tell them, you cannot call me by my first name because there are people who blur the lines. And so if I don't allow the adults who I formally instruct to call me by my first name, you're some random person on social media who does not know me from Eve. And not only did you call me by my first name, but you call me by a nickname that only one person in my life calls me. And that's my mom. You're certainly not my mother. <laughs> so like, it's a double violation. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, it's just about respect too. Yeah. Respect, mutual respect. And that's the number one rule that I operate in life with, no matter what place or space I'm occupying, respect. So we have come to the end of this episode. Um, and during uh, this time, I like to let the guests um, plug whatever they, they've got coming up. Or if you'd like to drop your social media handles, you are more than welcome to do that right now. Um, <clears throat> so despite me sitting down for a bit on Twitter, um, my Twitter handle is at Dr. Chronology. It is the same on TikTok, which I don't have much going on there. I don't know. I'm still playing around with whether or not I want to be more active. Um, the same on uh, Instagram at Dr. Chronology. I am on Facebook, but I'm not that active. <laughs> um, and I have, like I said before, the second edition of Engaged Citizen, a look into Congress. Um, hopefully it will be available sometime in February, 2022. If people want to um, purchase that, I will be putting up the links on um, Twitter primarily and my other networks and particularly my link tree. My link tree has every place where I am um, in my activities, my podcast, um, Facts Before Fiction Record. And this, the link tree forward slash Dr. C. Rouser. And I will include that in uh, the episode description. So um, everybody can, can get to that and marvel at your CV like I did uh, doing research before this episode. Um, thank you so, so much for being here today and taking time out of your schedule to talk to me. I have enjoyed this so much. Um, I have I have learned a lot in the time that we've spent together. And if at any time you would like to come back to this or any of the shows, um, you you give me a shout and I will I will clear space for you. 
Thank you. Um, <clears throat> the classic that people say, I'm honored, I'm humbled um, that you requested me to join you on your show and you are extending yet another invitation. Thank you so much, Greg. And thanks for having my back that day. Not a problem. Always, always and forever. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. If you didn't enjoy this episode, why the fuck are you even still here? If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at don'tmakethisweirdpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at sb83productions, on Instagram at springbreak83productions. Don't Make This Weird is a Spring Break 83 production.